Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. In fact, Paul the Apostle anticipated this. In chapter 5, he's talking about salvation by grace. In chapter 5, he's talking about the love of God is displayed in the death of Jesus Christ. And he speaks of all this stuff. And then at the end of the chapter, in verse 21, he closes with being saved by grace. Watch this. Look at the end of chapter 5, verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, Grace, the debit card, also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So watch this now, please. Paul knew this was coming because there's some people, the mindset that Jesus died for my sin, so I can live any way I want. That isn't a born-again heart. That isn't a born-again mentality. When you truly come to Christ and you understand the grace of God, it does not trigger anything in you to want to live in sin and sin and sin saying I got a free ticket to heaven what it does trigger in you is a magnificent adoration of our Savior and what he accomplished on the cross on our behalf that's what it should trigger but Paul anticipated this he said wait a minute you know you're going to get a debit card yeah some people are going to think okay so it's got sufficient funds to cover any debt of my sin I can go live the way I want no That's why he moves into chapter 6, and here's what he says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we to continue to sin just because we got a debit card? We can just spend wildly now. Now, I know some of you women dream about that. (laughs) And so do some of you men. If I had a debit card with no limit, oh, it's Saks Fifth Avenue. It's the Ferrari place in downtown La Jolla. It's Harrods in London. It's, man, just give me that card. And then you wake up (laughs) and you find out it isn't there. But Paul says, wait a minute. Just because you've been given the debit card, just because you've been given grace, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? There's the the real issue. He anticipated this argument was going to come. And some of you still have not gotten it correct about being saved by grace. You still think it's on your own works. Because you cannot reconcile in your own mind that God has given us a debit card and that debit card is sufficient to cover us from womb to tomb, to cover every sin that we've committed through, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, and the following week. Now, is that to be a license? No, Paul says, by no means. We don't take advantage. We don't trample on the blood of Jesus Christ because of that. So in the death of Jesus Christ, we see God's justice 
that it isn't compromised. In fact, it shows his righteousness, not compromising his justice in the death of Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, speaking of Christ. Propitiation, by the way, is just a fancy word that means it satisfies the wrath of God so that God's favor can now be showered on you. The wrath of God had to be dealt with. Propitiation means that through the sacrifice of Jesus, the wrath was dealt with, and now God showers you with favor. And that's why Ephesians 2 says you were once objects of God's wrath. But you're not anymore if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then watch this. So propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, not by works. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the former sins. This is what I mean. The Old Testament saints, they made the sacrifices. God overlooked them until the point of the cross. Then when the cross came, the debt was paid in full. No more layaway plan. The penalty was dealt with. Everything was dealt with. And that is the doctrine of penal substitution. So it shows God's righteousness when Jesus died on the cross that God didn't say, I'm just going to sweep this sin under the carpet. Righteous people don't do that. Righteous people never sweep sin under the carpet. Righteous people never take sin lightly. And neither does God. It had to be dealt with. So when we look at how the New Testament lives and what we're living in today in light of the cross, we know that God's justice was satisfied on the cross that day, and we no longer are responsible for that. Now, living your life, we'll get into that next week. And what does that entail? What does that mean? How are we supposed to live now that the justice of God has been satisfied, now that that's all been taken care of? How do we live? We'll deal with that next week. But here's point two, the requirement of Jesus' death. Did Jesus really have to die on the cross? I get this a lot, believe me. And some people say, well, Jesus, no, they can't reconcile in their own mind. And here's why. That Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. He went to the cross to display to us what supreme love is supposed to be. That he is the example of supreme love, and that's why he went to the cross, but not to pay the debt of our sins. Why would God make Jesus suffer for something you did? Why would the father turn over his son for something that you're responsible for? And I get that all the time. And I will tell you right now, Jesus' death was absolutely necessary. His death was absolutely necessary. And I'm going to tell you why. If God had another way, if God could have gotten around anything like that, if God would have had another plan available, there was no plan B. But if there was a plan B, God would have spared his own son through what he went through on our behalf. But Jesus confirmed this. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. That was his prayer right there. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, underline that, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. Now, Matthew took great care in recording those words of Jesus. There was no other possible way. The only way that it was going to happen was through the cross. That was the only way. 
Jesus confirmed this after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus when he was walking with two of his disciples. He comes up to two of his disciples in Luke chapter 24, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now watch this. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Absolutely. There was no other way around it. Why is that? Because no animal can die on behalf of a human. A whale wasn't going to be able to die for humanity. An elephant wasn't going to be able to die for humanity. Goats were not able to die for humanity. It was humans that offended God, and it had to be a human that died on the cross for your sins. Had to be no other way. We are the offensive party. No other part of God's creation is obligated. You and I are. And so therefore, to make it fair and to put everything on equal terms, it had to be a human. And this is the glorious and marvelous truth of the incarnation, God becoming flesh. And Hebrews chapter 2, listen to these words in verses 14 to 17. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, and he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. By the way, that's a good one to quote to any Jehovah's Witness that believes that Jesus was a created angel. And then it says, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Here's the dilemma. It had to be a human that died for a human, and the dilemma goes one step further by saying all humans are sinful. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is only one person in the history of mankind that did not sin, and that was Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. That's why Matthew chapter 1 says that you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. He was, Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and that which was in her womb was a holy child. And he is the only one that ever, ever, ever lived a sinless life, and therefore he is the only one that can qualify for the sacrifice for you and I. Buddha can't do it. Muhammad can't do it. No other. Confucius can't do it. There is no religious leader in the history of mankind that can die for your sins because they were sinful themselves. Galatians 4 verses 4 to 5 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In other words, at the perfect timing, God sent forth his son born of a woman. This is man we're talking about. Born under the law. In other words, he had to live up to the standards of the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus was 100% human, not just 100% God. That's the mystery of the incarnation. Paul would say in 1 Timothy 3, great is the mystery of godliness that he was manifest in the flesh. Why? Because he never quit being God. He surrendered his privileges for the moment, became a bondservant, but he never quit becoming God to become man. He added humanity to his divinity. 
It was God who was being crucified on the flesh, the second person of the Trinity. Isaiah. Now, when we look at this, listen to me. When we look at this and we say that Jesus was human, that he was born of a woman, that he had flesh and blood like you, that means that when he went to the cross, he suffered unimaginably. Now, he didn't suffer the worst physical death in history. There were others that suffered torturous deaths. That's not the point of it. The passion of Christ, the movie can only capture so much. The physical suffering, and yeah, he did. Crucifixion at that time was the worst form of suffering because you suffocated. Your wrists were nailed to the cross. He had a crown of thorns on. His feet were nailed to the cross. And when you, after hours, you begin to, your lungs begin to constrict. You can't breathe. So you have to push yourself up to take a breath. And he had nails in his feet and his wrists, and he'd push himself up to take another breath. That was horrible. The pain of physical death that Jesus went through was horrible in itself, but it did not stop there. Jesus also suffered by bearing our sin. This is where it begins to turn up the heat, that he wasn't a sinner. He lived a sinless life, but the Bible says that in Isaiah 53, 12, he bore the sin of many. In other words, he bore your sin and my sin on the cross, but 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that. Everything in the character of Jesus was repulsive towards sin. Perfectly holy, and yet sinners were attracted to him, and the love of God would overshadow that to bring in sinners. And so him who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. It's being cranked up a notch here. It's not just the physical suffering, but now the perfectly righteous, holy person who never even offended holiness now becomes our sin. And then it goes further. Jesus also suffered abandonment. Those closest to him, they jumped ship. In Mark 14, verse 34, it says, And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And then his arrest comes along, Matthew 26, verse 56. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So they all abandoned him, and, and that's one form of rejection. That's, that's difficult in itself. Those closest to you, when you think they're going to be there for you at your most difficult and trying times, they run. Instead of run towards you and help you, they decide to flee. That's one sense of abandonment that Jesus suffered because he went through six trials. He goes through these trials on his own, and they constant rejection, constant abandonment. Nobody's there to pull him out. He's going through it willingly, but the abandonment from his father on the cross because he became sin for us was the worst kind of abandonment. In fact, in Matthew 27, verse 46, it says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? They say one of the worst kinds of sufferings that you experience in this world is a sever in relationships. It's not losing a job. 
It's not, you know, losing possessions or anything in this material world. But when relationships of those who are closest to you are fractured, that's why when somebody gets a divorce, many times they'll go through grief counseling. They'll go through grief counseling because they were one flesh, they get divorced, one of them is so devastated through the divorce that it's like losing that loved one, and they have to go through grief counseling just as if somebody went through grief counseling for a death in their own family. When Rocky Vandergriff's father died, I did his funeral. He was 101 years old. He had been married 70 years. His mother and father, they had hospital beds in their living room. If death can be cute, this was really cute. That you walk into the living room and they're both there. They were side by side for the entirety of their life. Married 70 years. But when Rocky's father passed away at 101 years old, his mother passed away about six months later. And the doctors would tell you she probably died more of a broken heart because they were so attached than anything else. Now think of Jesus, perfect harmony, perfect love between him and his father, perfect communion, unbroken, not for 10 years, not for 20 years, not for 30, not for 40, not for 80 years, perfect unbroken harmony for eternity past. And then he's on the cross on our behalf. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, the father turned his face. And because he was forsaken, you and I don't need to be forsaken. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he suffers abandonment, but he also suffered the wrath of God. This is what was spoken of in the garden when he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. The cup was God's wrath. That's what the Old Testament referred to as the wrath of God. It was a cup. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 17 says, Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Who have drunk to the dredges the bowl, the cup of staggering. Isaiah 51, 22, See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. And that's what happened. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath on the cross so you and I wouldn't have to drink the wrath of God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, think about that. When you think about what Jesus went through for us. Now, Jesus' death wasn't just necessary, but Jesus' death was voluntary too. A lot of people say, wait a minute. The father's going to put the son through that? That's divine child abuse is what they've called it. They've written articles entitled that, and they use that term, divine child abuse. Why would the father make his son go through that kind of suffering on behalf of others that were responsible for the crime? No father who loves his son would ever do that. But it wasn't like that. When it said that God gave up his son, it wasn't God twisting the son's arm and forcing him to go down because Jesus said himself 
that his own death was voluntary. He said in John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He laid it down on his own accord. When he went to the cross for you and I, he did that voluntarily. Not because the Father hired Roman soldiers to walk him to the cross and to bring him by gunpoint, well, spear point in that day, that he wasn't forced to go there. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. What a Savior. Vertical worship has put out a beautiful song called How Great is the Love. The words of the chorus are Jesus, faithful King, Lord, with grateful hearts we sing, how great is the love, how great is the love of our Savior. And just contemplating those words should bring every person to tears and with an eternal gratefulness in their heart for what Jesus did. What he did for us, we deserved. So the reason for Jesus' death, God's love and justice, they intersected at the cross. The requirement of Jesus' death, there was no other way to bring you back into fellowship with him. But now the result of Jesus' death, and I'll go through this quickly, the result of Jesus' death can be summed up in four words, redemption, Redemption, number one, reconciliation, justification, and adoption. Those four things were accomplished on the cross because when you say, you know, why did Jesus die? What did it accomplish? And it accomplished our redemption. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, the Greek word is apolutrosis. It's a primary definition of meaning a releasing affected by a paying of a ransom. In Mark 10.45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That word was used of paying the price to free a slave. And all of us were slaves. We were slaves to our own sin, we were slaves to Satan, regardless of what you think, that you were a slave to sin, you were a slave to unrighteousness, and then God steps into your life, and we're released. The ransom wasn't paid to Satan, by the way, as some declare. Satan wasn't owed anything. It was God. It was God. Jesus' death was enough to ransom you and I, but secondly, reconciliation this is so beautiful. One of the most amazing things about what Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection was the fact that you and I can be reconciled to God. In Romans 5.11, look, three verses down, what it says. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Okay? So now, I, and listen to me, I cannot imagine my life being lived unreconciled to God, knowing what I know now. 
to wake up in the morning and to be able to have fellowship with God, to wake up in the morning and to be able to walk and talk with God, to wake up in the morning and to hear God's voice every single day. Did I know this before salvation? No, but I know it now, and I can't imagine myself being unreconciled to God at this point. One of the most beautiful things that Christ accomplished to his death in paying the debt was now you can be made whole with God, and you can walk and talk with him today. You can hear his voice. You can pray. You don't have to go through anybody else. The Bible says we come to him. There's one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.